Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paralegal Tea Time. So, Jess, what's the tea of the day? Hi, everyone. This is part one of an interesting hot topic in the legal area of estate planning, and we're exploring the importance of having your estate plan in order during your lifetime. And we also ask the question, to will or not to will? We have a very special guest to help us with today's hot topic. Joining us today is Crystal West Edwards, who is a partner at Porzio, Vroomberg, and Newman, PC, located in Morristown, New Jersey. She is in the Wealth Preservation Group Department, and she is the chair, and she has extensive experience in elder law, estate planning, estate administration, as well as special needs planning. She is a member of the Board of National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, as well as a fellow to the American College of Trusts and Estate Council, ACTEC. She is a speaker in various areas of trust and estates and has authored many publications. She is admitted in New Jersey, as well as PA. Ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome Crystal West Edwards. It is an honor to have you stop by today. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me and looking forward to hearing the tea. <laughs> Welcome, Crystal. It's so nice to meet you and we're glad to have you here. Thank you. So how's everyone doing? Does everyone have their cup of tea ready for today? <laughs> I am totally ready. I had some peach tea for this. Oh, great. <laughs> Definitely willing to spill the tea. <laughs> Okay, so on this episode, we want to talk about the importance of preparing a will. And we also want to explore why some people may not take the steps um, to take care of their estate planning. Yeah, recently, uh, especially in the media, this past weekend, um, there was a celebrity death in the music industry, Aaron Carter. And uh, the first thing that was published, you know, in addition to his unfortunate death was the fact that he did not have a last will and testament in place. So we've been seeing this, you know, time and time again, um, even with the release of the most recent movie, Wakanda, the, uh, the star of that movie, um, you know, unfortunately also passed away without having a last will and testament. So I'm really um, excited to explore this topic and why a lot of people you know, do not have a will and also the importance of having a will. Yeah. So, and so, but, you know, I, I, when I hear that, I think of a couple of things, right? So the first thing is, it's not a fun topic. Mm -hmm. Let's just call it what it is. It's not fun to think about and plan for um, the death and dying process. Mm -hmm. um, some people can just consider it very morbid, very dark, very not just not fun and not fun as a legal term in this context. Right. And so, um, you know, a, a part of the reasons why we encourage families to think about it and to do it is because it's not just about keeping us comfortable or doing things that are comfortable doing during lifetime, but also making life comfortable for those who survive us their comfort doesn't come from you leaving them something. Your comfort comes from you um, making something less burdensome, right? Having their job be a little bit easier to deal and cope with, one, your loss, and two, 
handling and, and closing up your affairs when you're no longer here. So you mentioned Aaron Carter, um, you know, you mentioned Chadwick Boseman and, and I mean, I, I have hosts of friends, colleagues who don't have wills. And I tell them that the decision not to have a will is an affirmative one. You're mm -hmm. doing this purposefully, right? Yeah. Um, you, you have decided that you are not going to get your affairs in order during your lifetime. You're going to burden your loved ones with having to figure out what and how and where your stuff is when you die. You're going to potentially create a little bit more stress um, unduly to your family in deciding what you would have done, what they should be doing, um, and how it is that you would want them to honor you. And so I kind of like to look at it in, in reverse, right? If we think about like the people who have wills, why did they get them, right? Like I like to think about it that way. Mm -hmm. And for me, picking this practice area, it came because I had a mom, I still have a mom, um, thankfully, who on a regular basis, whenever she made changes to her estate planning documents, she sat us down as a family and she explained them. And just for context, because that just sounds like, wow, why would she do that? Well, I was an oops. Okay. I was like the child who came 16 years after the baby um, <laughs> in a second marriage context. <laughs> and so, you know, she thought she was very much so done. And then all of a sudden I showed up, right? Mm -hmm. so what she wanted was to make sure that the family that my brothers knew if something happened to her, here's what our goals are for her. And so that's why I grew up hearing these things that the average person doesn't really mm -hmm. sit in the room and talk about. But I had to sit and listen to, oh, you know, my dad would have to do this. My brothers would be doing that. My this, you know, and, and, and I heard about all of those plans. So becoming an adult, those plans were natural to me. Of course, when I get married or when I get my first grown woman job, I need a will. Why wouldn't I? My mom's been talking about this since I was five, you know? So, um, you know, making some of these conversations more comfortable for people and taking the stigma away from them, from these discussions, I think is really helpful in making people a little bit more comfortable about thinking about what happens when they die. Yeah, that's great. That's actually a, a good way to think about it. I mean, if it's, I think about it like almost like a family recipe, if it's passed down to you from your mother or father as a, you know, um, a, a common thing to do, then it's something you're going to grow up with and wanting to do yourself to take care of it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also interesting how, you know, you basically, um, you know, commented on the way the way to do, you know, to do it is to try and help, you know, lessen the burden for your loved ones once you're gone. And for me, that would be an incentive. I would want to lessen the burden for my loved ones. So that's also something for our listeners out there who may not have a will in place. That's something to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a definitely a great way to think about it. And maybe if, you know, your mother or father aren't into doing preparing their will you know just that's a good way to look at it you know to alleviate the burden on your loved ones 
Exactly. Okay. So before we dive into some more questions for Crystal, I was wondering, you know, in general, how common is it for everyone to have a last will and testament? So I was doing some research prior to the podcast and I came across the CNBC survey, which is pretty recent. It was dated April 11th of 2022. And that survey actually indicated that 67% of Americans did not have a will in place. And I was actually shocked at that percentage because it was higher than what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want, you know, reactions here. Jess, Crystal, <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on this 67%? I mean, that's pretty high. <laughs> yes, you first. Okay. Yeah. Well, unfortunately I'm part of that 67%. Um, you know, my husband and I have been talking about how important it is and we just haven't taken the steps to do it. And, you know, definitely on our to-do list, but you know, like a lot of people would just don't get around to doing it, which is unfortunate. So I was slightly surprised by the percentage, but but not because I thought that the number was high. I actually thought it was low. Oh wow. If I were if I were gonna guess, I would I would have I mean I would have been close. I would have guessed guessed somewhere between 70 to 75% of people don't have wolf. That would have been kind of my my gut reaction. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I'm pleased at the 67. I'll be even more pleased when it's 50. And even more pleased when it's 25, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is just awareness, comfort, right? And and knowing the reasons why it's important to have. I have little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, in my practice area, I've seen life happen to a lot of people. Um, and the most important thing for my will isn't about where my money goes. It really is not. Because if I don't say, the law is going to say where my money goes. The most important thing in my wills are the designations of who is going to have the obligation to raise my children if my husband and I are no longer here, right? Like that is the most important thing that I can have there. And so even making some of that stuff um, aware to people is helpful. Clients will say, how many, well, I don't know about you, but I'm from North Carolina. Okay. I'm born and raised (laughs) in North Carolina. So you know, in North Carolina, we have, we have godparents, godchildren and godparents. They always say, oh, your godparents are going to be the ones to raise you. Yet, yeah, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing, it doesn't actually work that way. And wouldn't you know that the people who I named as my kids' godparents, which I put a lot of, we, my husband and I put a lot of thought into, are not the people who we named as guardians. Right. <laughs> you know? they're different concepts but like just kind of breaking down some of those some of that oral tradition that we hear about what just happens and letting people know that it doesn't just happen you've got to take some affirmative steps to do it so I think we'll get this number down eventually Melissa we're (laughs) yeah we have to we have to work on that number but uh, I think you bring up a great point that so many people are not aware of guardianship clauses and last will and testaments And, uh, you know, I think specifically people within, uh, you know, my age range who are parents of small children, um, you know, they'd be surprised to learn about this guardianship clause and the importance of, of a will. You know, I think that they associate a will 
with where their money's going to go more so than having a guardianship clause. So I'm so glad you brought up that point. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, I just wanted to share that, you know, I have a will, you know, but it's because I think, you know, I've been in trust in estates area for 23 years. So I'm more inclined to know the importance of a will. Um, So, you know, but who's to say I wouldn't be in the same, you know, (laughs) in the same bracket as to Jess, you know, where I haven't gotten around to it yet, you know, because life happens and you get busy and, but, you know, but I think it's just, you know, I'm glad we're having this discussion so that everyone can know the reasons Mm -hmm. why it's very important. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, moving on to our next question, do you think there's certain factors that affect this percentage of wills versus not getting a will? Your, you know, the demographics, the age, uh, income levels, that sort of thing. So, yes, I do think that there are factors that impact someone's, um, uh, you know, willingness to sign estate planning documents. But I, I think about it a little bit more elementary than that, which is what's the perception? What do we see on TV? What do we see in the news? What do we see in the movies, right? In the movies, we see, um, I was just watching a movie actually on Netflix called The Inheritance, right? This was like the, 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 the title of this movie. And so we think about these folks, these wealthy individuals with all this money who leave a will and then they sit and they, you know, they're, they're leaving money for their quote unquote privileged children who sit in a lawyer's office and there's a formal reading of the will that is Hollywood. Right. And so a lot of people think, um, I don't have enough money for a will. You know, all I have is a house and like a couple bank accounts. I don't have enough money to have an estate plan. I don't have enough money to have a will. Um, so I think there's just a general misunderstanding of what it means to do planning and and why we're doing it and really getting to the to the baseline understanding that it's more than just the money that you have, but it's about the control, the control over you. Let's keep it super simple. Who do you want to be able to access your Facebook history when you're no longer here? Hmm. Right? Wow. Like you know our 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 digital property our online presence our social media presence i think I, I don't have the statistics here but um a family member of mine was recently sharing that there is a a high percentage from this article that they read there's this high percentage of um of young adults now that their career aspiration is to be an influencer right which mm-hmm. just means they have this social media presence well, your social media presence has value. It could mm-hmm. impact whether or not you get a job. It could impact what your legacy may be. And so while you may not have two pennies to truly rub together because all you have is student loan debt today, at the end of the day, your ability to earn money later could be based on just your social media presence. So like, mm-hmm. who's going to be in control of that? So I think about it more than just money, but also control and access and I don't think that it's a situation where people that have means have wills because those two things are not directly connected. Some of my most wealthy clients do not have wills <laughs> and, and they amassed significant wealth 
um, prior to their lawyer harassing them on a monthly basis, which is me, as to all the reasons why they need to button this up before they pass, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to what Melissa said earlier about that recipe, right? Passing down that recipe from one generation to another, it can start with us and maybe we're not passing it down. Maybe we're passing it up. Maybe we're saying to our parents, hey, look, you really need to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Convincing the, the generation that's before us that actually is still here. All the reasons why they can make your life easier just by putting their intentions on paper and then you carrying the tradition going forward. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is definitely something to think about. I mean, definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think people think about you know, their online presence and their social media. I mean, that's a great point. (laughs) I mean, that's so important. That's so important in people's lives and, you know, their legacy and everything. That's a great point. Very great point. Um, So let's um, talk about um, the the celebrities that die without a will. Uh, I touched on it in an article I drafted for the Middlesex County Bar where some of my research showed, and I was shocked, that a lot of these celebrities are dying without wills, uh, such as Sonny Bono, Prince, Pablo Picasso, and the famous Chadwick Boseman from the Wakanda movie. Um, Why do you think, um, because these celebrities actually have the financial resources, Mm -hmm. um, and you touched on it already, um, you know, why aren't they taking these steps to get their plans in order? Um, do you think it has to do maybe with it not being passed down from, you know, from their parents to them? Or maybe it's because, you know, it's, they don't want to think about death, maybe. I, you know, what are your thoughts yeah, on that? I, mean, I think about it more as the latter than the former, because at the end of the day, unlike one of us, right, who is, sitting you know at work all day then we go home our our world our environment is limited to the people who we see and interact on a day-to-day basis right so maybe they didn't have this life experience so we didn't hear about it Mm -hmm. i i find it extremely hard to believe that i'm gonna pick on prince right i find it extremely hard to believe that prince did not have advisors folks at his record labels and then after when he was like his own independent, you know, um, when he was the the symbol formerly known as Prince, right? Like, <laughs> it's very hard to believe that all of his advisors over the years did not strongly encourage him to do it. And so I think of these folks as being people who made an affirmative decision not to. And in my world, that's okay. Like you can not plan. I mean, it sucks that you're leaving work for other people, but if your plan is to not plan, cool, we can deal with that. But you should know what the impact of that is. So again, Hollywood, the misnomer is that if you're a single, if you're a married person and you, you know, I'm going to pick on New New Jersey because that's where we happen to be housed right now, right? So in the state of New Jersey, there's a misnomer that if you are a married person that does not have children, you're just married, that if you pass away, your entire estate is passing to your spouse. That is just not true. If you don't have a will, our laws of intestacy provide that if you have a married person 
who does not have children, but has a parent living, there is a division of that intestate estate between the spouse and the parent. It's not 50-50 in the state of New Jersey. It is heavily weighted towards the parent, but you need to know that, right? So some people will say, well, yeah, I'm married. We don't have any kids, but like, of course my husband's going to get everything. Of course my 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 wife, my spouse, whomever is going to get everything. Not necessarily. So it really is important for us to know the impact of our decisions, especially as we think about blended families, right? We have a lot of families where there were children prior to a marriage, there, you know, there are stepchildren, what have you. And so how does that allocation and that division work? You have a child outside of your marriage, your spouse doesn't get everything just because they're your spouse. There's a sharing of the of the estate with the child that is not from that union. So it's just, again, it's an educational campaign, really, of us letting our people know what happens if they don't plan. But then also saying, if you don't want to, then you're stuck with what the law says. And quite honestly, you'll be dead. So, <laughs> so, you, so you won't be here. You won't be here to experience the drama that you've created. Um, mm -hmm. But just know that you are increasing cost. You're increasing time and resources of your family members to follow the law as opposed to following clear instructions that come from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked that, you know, these celebrities with all of their assets and, you know, I'm sure there's tons of people who would love to <laughs> have some of those assets just don't do the estate planning. And um, and then that kind of gets into our next topic of, you know, the litigation that can sometimes come along with the failure to plan. Um, and I think Melissa was going to talk again about the Chas McBoswin situation um, with his wife and, and that yeah. uh, situation. Yeah, I'm not sure the laws of the state um, of, you know, of, of the actual estate, but um, I know that the wife was appointed as administrator and um, the parents actually filed a complaint and she had to pay out a portion of the estate. Um, so, you know, basically, do you see these types of situations often in our state where we are, which is New Jersey, because we have a lot of listeners that are, you know, in, you know, out of state as well. So, um, you know, every state varies with laws of intestacy, but that's actually what every, happened with Chadwick's estate. Every, every state varies. And, and it's difficult because when you look at articles and you see that there's litigation, I think we oftentimes can assume that there is a disagreement. And sometimes there's not. Sometimes we have to go to court because you didn't do planning. But it doesn't mean that we are disputing something. It just means that no one has the authority to implement whatever the law says needs to be implemented without there being court, you know, court intervention here. So um in so my understanding, and I am not licensed in California, um, but it is my understanding that um, similar to New Jersey, the laws of intestacy, and intestacy is the, the law that determines how assets are distributed upon the death of someone who did not have a will, um, which was the case for, you know, in this example of Chadwick Bozeman. And so it's my understanding that the law in California um, would have assets distributed um, uh, not fully, 
to a spouse, right? At the death of, um, at the death of a decedent. If this were New Jersey, and I love talking about New Jersey, but if this <laughs> same scenario, if this same scenario happened in New Jersey, it would go down a little differently. So, um, you know, the, the decision of who can act for us, a lot of people assume, of course, my spouse can act for me. No, your spouse can act for you if you name them. And upon your passing, the spouse can act for you potentially if there is not a disagreement as to who should, who should, should serve. Um, and there is an order of priority that courts look to. And so just based on me saying that, if your preference is that your mom serve as your executor over your spouse, say it, right? Because the alternative is mom can oppose your spouse being appointed and now a judge has to decide. Let's avoid all that just by you saying what your preference is. Um, so when it comes to litigation, I see it all the time. Um, I see litigation for things that we agree on and we just need the court to bless. I see litigation for things that families do not see eye to eye about. Um, and in those scenarios, I will say this. When you've done your planning, when you have your wills, just because you have them doesn't mean that we can fully avoid folks going to court. But one thing that can very much so help families, in my opinion, remain quote unquote intact as much as possible is to communicate what your desires are. Don't let it be a surprise simply because you're not here so you don't have to deal with it. Don't let it be a surprise that you want to name your niece as your executor over all four of your children, mm -hmm. right? Let that be known during your lifetime so that when you pass away, nobody is looking at niece like, what did you do to twist my mom's arm? No, mm -hmm. niece didn't twist my arm, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, this is what I want. So communication can do a lot. Um, when it comes to litigation and just kind of like the ways that we see it, we see litigation for purposes of people can, having control, who controls, you know, whatever item or thing it is that we're talking about. So if I'm picking on Chadwick Boseman, here's the thing that I thought about. I did just watch Wakanda Forever. Shout out to the initial Black Panther movie. Excellent. <laughs> Um, Marvel did a fantastic job and we can have a whole series on why that movie was was amazing and what it was but yes I heard it was Marvel great is not paying me for that endorsement I'm going to stop talking what I will say is there there are elements of that movie that had me question whether or not there is residual earnings to Chadwick Boseman's estate um, based on things that occurred in the Wakanda Forever movie, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, huh, there might be a little bit of royalties here for this movie. Who's the executor of the estate or the administrator of the estate? Who's the person that had to co-sign for Marvel that they do this in this way? Because I know they couldn't do it without consent. So who had the control to say, Yes, the estate of Chadwick Boseman consents to the use of his image and likeness in this movie, right? Mm -hmm. So even if there was no money that came from it, it's still a matter of who is in control over saying whether or not something that even happens in the future is okay or not. Um, and and the, the giving up control is something that is very hard for people to do, right? Mm -hmm. It's just hard. 
Um, if I have a newlywed couple and then one of the members of that couple passes away, I know I might have some serious drama because mom and dad mm -hmm. were everything up until a week ago, right? <laughs> and now all of a sudden I got this person who's not blood that's going to control potentially what the person I birthed is going to be able to do or say, right? It's hard. It's hard to give up control. But a lot of it can really get resolved through communication and mm -hmm. just clearly, clearly identifying for our family and loved ones what it is that we want and how and who. Litigation mm -hmm. is not fun. Nobody wins in litigation but the lawyers. And I'm a lawyer, right? So me I saying that, it, I'm, I am being very transparent. There are legal fees. Um, it is expensive to go to court. And so if we can avoid it at all costs, you want to do that. It helps your family that way. Mm -hmm. Wow, this was this was some great tea and information, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> um, and, and on that same topic regarding litigation, um, if a testator who is a person who is preparing their will, um, if they foresee beneficiaries you know, that are likely to fight over the estate and they wish to disinherit a beneficiary, is that mm -hmm. something that their lawyer can put in a clause in the will? You know, is that something that you've seen? Does that make a will valid? This, you are just, you're, you've got my juices a boiling and bubbling Right. I'm so, like, this is my favorite, not favorite, but favorite thing is when someone says, um, my, my cousin has been estranged. And so I want to make sure that while I'm leaving everything to all of my first cousins, that one is excluded. Right. As an example. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, I see it often people disinherit people and sometimes people will specifically say in their wills that they don't want someone to inherit who wouldn't have anyway. So it's like, why do you want me to put this in here? But okay. Um, the first thing that I'll say about this is that a will is a public record. And so we do have to be very careful about how much information we want to have public. And so if we want to disinherit someone, maybe we're not going to put in your will all of the reasons why you're disinheriting them. Um, maybe we don't need your entire family to know why. Maybe you just you know, say for reasons that I've made known to my lawyer and kind of let that beneficiary get that information separately. Um, the the one person, right, that you, you can't really disinherit is your spouse. Now that's the general rule. There are exceptions to that rule. If there was a cause for divorce, time of death, there are other exceptions to the rule, but the general rule is you can't disinherit your spouse. Um, but if you're not going to leave something to someone like a child, for example, like, a, you know, a sibling, if if you don't have children and spouses and like your siblings or who would be next or whatever, it, it is important, in my opinion, to be clear that you didn't just forget about them, but that you intentionally made no provision for them. Um, and and yeah, we would do that by will. When we do that, oftentimes family, like my clients are not comfortable going up to their daughter and saying, I just want you to know I disinherited you. Now, some clients love to say that they use it as a weapon. <laughs> the vast majority of my people went, because it's not, it's not, they're not doing it. You know, they're really, this is a thought out decision. And so it's something that they're not comfortable sharing during lifetime. 
And so in those circumstances, I tell clients all the time, I, I know we are a sophisticated society, things we can figure out. You don't need a lawyer for everything, right? There are things that you can do on your own and just have a lawyer review it to make sure it's okay. But if you're going to disinherit someone, that's an area where I would say touch base with an attorney just to make sure that it's buttoned up. Because while the writing the provision might be easy for you, I leave nothing to my daughter. Thanks. Signed, mom testator that's witnessed and notarized. While that's easy, what's not easy is proving that you did that on your own free will without undue or duress that no one else influenced you to do that. Those are factors that we would have to address if that daughter that you just disinherited files a will contest and contests your will and contests the fact that she's being disinherited. So having an attorney can really help for some of those belts and suspenders for those more complicated scenarios. Of course, it is absolutely recommended. Uh, to our <laughs> listeners that if they in any way want to um, disinherit in their estate plan to seek some estate planning assistance from a qualified lawyer, um, that's for sure. Because, you know, these topics that we're touching on, you know, these are not easy topics. Right. And, uh, you know, speaking of specific clauses that you can add into your will or, you know, that are common, um, I've heard from, you know, friends and acquaintances of instances where, say, um, a beneficiary, such as maybe a daughter, pa unfortunately passes away before, you know, her mother, and then the mother passes away. Is there a clause that, that you can put in your will that, you know, maybe covers the heirs of the daughter, um, you know, in, in the event that the beneficiary passes before? Uh, the student. So Miss Jess, I tell clients, I, I, I steal, it's not actually, it's not stolen. I borrow <laughs> okay. a slogan from Burger King, but I, <laughs> I cite my sources every time. Right. I literally say I am Burger King, have it your way. Right. Okay. So, um, so because of that, I really do ask the question, all right, you want to leave your stuff to your niece. Where do you want it to go if your niece passes before you? God forbid. I know that you wouldn't want to think about that, but let's just think about it for a minute. Where does it go? Do you want it to go to her kids or no? Oh, you know what? I, I do want it to go to her kids, but not that son of hers. That son is no good. I do want it to go to the other two. Okay. And so we draft it that way. Um, yes, there are provisions that you can include that would take into consideration the children and future grandchildren of your beneficiaries. Um, but may, you may or may not want that, right? And so it's we can't just think about the people that we see every day. Um, I kind of force and stretch my clients to think about what I call the ultimate beneficiaries. Like if all the people are gone, then who, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you've got 10 kids, then you got people for days. And we probably don't have to really worry so much about what happens when everyone's gone. But, you know, you're in your 90s and you've got two kids and one grandchild. Yeah, I need you to, uh, we got to push past that point, as that nurse said, through my whole labor and delivery of each of my kids. We got to push past that point And we need to, you know, find somebody else who's going to be able to um, to inherit here because, 
there is a pot. If I only have three potential beneficiaries, I don't have that many, right? So we can name people's descendants, or we can even think about whether or not clients are charitably inclined. Mm -hmm. Well, this, is, this has been great information. And Crystal, we just wanted to give you the floor at this time to let our listeners know where they can contact you and your firm should they need some estate planning law assistance and guidance, as well as promote any upcoming presentations you may have coming up. So first of all, shout out to the two of you for this discussion, um, mm -hmm. because it is it is really important. It is key to have. It's something that we have to drill down and and really remind people of the importance of. Um, it's it's this is not an area where we can just dig our heels or or actually I should say stick our head in the sand and be like, eh, screw it. Somebody else will deal with it. It's really something that if we are are being thoughtful as to what happens to us during life and upon our passing, estate planning is key in that. So that's number one. Two, um, if anyone has any questions or issues, comments, concerns about anything that I mentioned or wants to know more about it, you certainly can give me a buzz, shoot me an email, a text. Um, our website, which is www.porzioplanning.com, is a great resource for additional information um, about wills, about the reasons why you should have one, about powers of attorney, medical directives, long-term care planning, all of these things that impact our ability to live and to live comfortably. So feel free to go to porzioplanning.com, P-O-R-Z-I-O planning.com um, for more information there. And you can also reach me, um, shoot me an email, give me a buzz from the contact information that's on that site. Thank the two of you so much um, for this discussion and for having me. Sure. Yeah, we, we, great, we loved having you. And um, also at the end of each episode, we like to talk about our favorite tea that we're drinking or sampling. And so did you have one you'd like to shout out? Oh my goodness. It is this peach tea. Um, <laughs> oh, I just threw the box. Oh my God. I just threw the box away. It is called Southern Peach. I got it at ShopRite. It was, it is excellent. It is not okay. super peachy, but it's not also super tea. Tea, if you know what I mean, it's like the perfect combination in the middle. So you should try a peach tea next time. Wow, I will certainly try it. That sounds delicious. Well, we're, we were very excited to have you. Uh, but before we go, we like to leave our listeners with the top three tips of the episode called Today's Tea. This will be focused on three important elder tips. Number one, find a good insurance agent to discuss eligible life insurance policies. Number two, consult with a good estate planning attorney, such as Crystal. Number three, keep an organized list of all of your assets together with account numbers, financial advisors, or account representatives, as well as addresses. All right. And we'd like to thank Crystal for joining us today and providing us with this valuable estate information. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. And um, we will have uh, our uploaded episode and our journey for season one will end next week. 
And we would like to thank everyone for joining us with these hot topics at Paralegal Tea Time. We will be having season number two starting January 2023.